Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a Sunday special edition of A Vision for You Big Book Study. Today is Sunday, December 24, 2017. The share ID numbers for Friday, December 22, 2017, are the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Big Book Study meeting, 10828-10828, and the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Big Book Study meeting is 10828. 8301830 This morning a vision for you presents am I cooperating with the grace of God Where do we find this grace and how is it described or revealed Story after story in the big book is chocked full of examples of grace The big book does not sidestep the idea of a miracle of recovery and therefore grace abounds and that an alcoholic, not only being physically sickened, became selfish and self-centered to the extreme would be, and would be unlikely to conjure up any grace alone. It is freely given by God. Grace is described and defined as unmerited favor or blessing. As it turns out, not mine for the earning. Well, how about this cooperating? Cooperating is defined as to work or act together or jointly for a common purpose or benefit. Here I've attempted to put cooperating with his grace together and I'm working and with a question. Am I working jointly with God for the common benefit of another, given the unmerited blessings upon my life by him? Am I working towards a greater dedication and willingness to break down any barrier between me and God that keeps me from working jointly with him? Am I enthusiastically and sacrificially activated to pay forward what has been so freely bestowed upon me, not by anything that I do or say or have, just because I am loved, simply because I am? Can I fathom the gravity of this gift of grace and cooperating with God and how to enlarge upon it for others? Well, that's a bit of a take on my part with this title because it's so compelling to me. I thought it was, was something to really dig into. I was very curious. Well, how about we call upon our guest today to render his take. Here to present, am I cooperating with his grace, is Larry Kay. Larry Kay is a recovered compulsive overeater and hails from Illinois. He is a true friend of Overeaters Anonymous and a vision for you big book study. His unassuming demeanor, his experience, wisdom, and tremendous eagerness is so greatly appreciated. Would you please help me welcome to a Vision for You Sunday special edition today, our friend Larry Kay. Good morning, Larry Kay. Thanks, Melanie. Can you hear me okay? Loud and clear. Thank God. Okay. Happy holidays. Okay, we just lost a few people there. We bust out in singing. Okay, I'm Larry Kay. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, as Melanie said, I'm from Chicago. And... Um, you know, part of the awakening to God's grace, I really like uh, that Melanie defined that. I'll probably define them again. Um, boy, we think alike because I was, I got right into the dictionary as well. So I'll, 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 I'll define those again. But part of the awakening to God's grace through this transformation as the result of this program of action, you know, for me was the absolute necessity uh, to share it with the still suffering addict. I mean, see if this res see if this resonates with with your experience as a recovered person. You know, once one is brought into alignment with their higher power through this process of recovery, 
you know, you can hardly wait. You know, Melanie said I'm pretty eager. I am maybe sometimes too eager. Um, but you can hardly wait to share it with, with someone else. And my topic this morning is about cooperation with, this, with God's grace. And I'm going to start off by sharing a story with you. But before I do, I want to, I want to um, you know, start off by, by disclosing to you that I, I didn't arrive um, at, Overeater, at Overeaters Anonymous as a religious person. Um, I didn't subscribe to any specific theological orientation, although I was born into a, into a religion, if you will. There was some identity. In other words, I, I didn't practice some type of religious faith, uh, nor had I studied, you know, God's relationship to the world, or, um, you know, we, 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 we read about, um, about folks that, you know, that do that in varieties of religious experience. Um, we, William James, you know, he did study this. Um, but I, I didn't, you know, there wasn't a system of religious beliefs or ideas for me. You, you, maybe you got here and there is for you and that's, maybe that's a bonus, but not for me. So I was raised in a family that certainly identified with a subjective state of perceiving ourselves as, you know, as connected to a religion, but in no way, shape or form for me was this related to a personal relationship to a higher power. And in fact, if anything, my takeaway as a, as a child was that to believe in God as some sort of divine creator that I could pray to and, and, and cultivate a relationship with, that I could love, lunacy, absolute lunacy. So, you know, for me, in order for there to be a God of grace, so we're talking about grace and cooperation, and I'll talk about mercy, you know, one of the first things I'd have to do is, is bridge that uh, intellectual gap that, uh, that it was possible, maybe it was just possible, that this creator was in fact real. And um, so I'm going to back to my story here. I'm going to start out with a story. But before I do, let, let's be clear on something. In order to cooperate with God's grace, the food has to be down 100%. See, don't, don't settle for pretty good sobriety. I tried that. Wasn't in cooperation. Pretty good abstinence wasn't. Not, you know, I, I used to say, I used to tell a friend of mine, look, I'm, are you abstinent? Dude. No guy in his 50s should say dude. Dude, I said, dude, uh, no, I, um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm mostly abstinent. I'd say I'm about 95% abstinent. I used to say that. We need to, you know, it's like a heroin addict saying, are you, are you, have you put the, put the needle down? You know what, dude? <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm mostly putting it down as I work through these steps. Not going to work. Not a lot of cooperation with God's grace. There's no cooperation with God's grace when we're mostly abstinent. Now, I'm going to share a true story with you. I know this guy. He came into program before I did, and he worked the steps. And he was given, this guy was given reprieve from a, a certain death sentence from the disease of compulsive overeating. I mean, he had lost a tremendous amount of weight. He, he, was, he was knocking on death's door, I can tell you. But see, the thing was, he wasn't ready, looking in hindsight perhaps, he wasn't ready to confront some secrets. See, he, 
he was ashamed of one secret he'd been holding on to. And I don't know how, how his higher power works. I, I don't know how God works. That's between each individual and their higher power of their own understanding, right? But I have a hypothesis. I got lots of hypotheses. Here's one. Is it possible that his higher power is a God of mercy rather than merely a God of justice? You know, is it further possible that my friend was maybe blocking himself from his higher power as the result of his own shame as I was holding on to certain things rather than his higher power blocking himself from my friend? That would be more of a higher power of justice, right? And if that premise were true, what if my friend needed to cultivate the willingness to share the exact nature of his wrong with God himself and another human being? And what if he did so if he chose to do so in the proper sequence of the 12 steps and, and thereby opening up a channel to his higher power that previously he could not have anticipated? What, what if that were true? And do you suppose, you know, if he did that, he could muster the, if he could muster the courage to do that, that perhaps a, a different type of spiritual awakening might unfold? Maybe it would unleash a new man. What, what if that were true? Now, here's the thing. We, we can't see what we can't see. You know, and, and sometimes I wonder, you know, could we be closer to being rocketed into a new dimension, a spiritual dimension beyond our understanding? Maybe we're closer than we think. So what I'm suggesting is that it may feel counterintuitive to trust God through this process of recovery, to cooperate, to team up, if you will. But when we do, we might just be amazed by the outcome. I know I was. And, you know, food was never my problem. As long as we're blocked off from the, the sunlight of the spirit, uh, we will continue to search for some numbing agent or substance or, or behavior that's going to produce a temporary effect that, that is, of course, you know, an impossible replacement for God. Now, I cringe, too. <laughs> I, I rolled my eyes, too, if I heard too much of the, the God word. Don't, 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 don't come across too evangelical with me, Buster Brown, Mr. Big Shot. You know, I, I don't feel uh, too comfortable with that. And because I don't feel comfortable with it, I don't feel comfortable with you sharing that. So I cringed and I rolled my eyes. And for me, I rolled my eyes in a state of false pride. And I did so at my own peril. Now we, we have an opportunity to tap into a stream of spirituality that is utterly undeniable. I say that because I'm just sharing my experience. And what this program of action does more than anything else in my experience is it tries, it tries to do a certain thing. It tries to resolve the separation of ourselves from our creator. It resolves that separation of ourselves from our creator. And I've been taken personally from the scrap heap of life a level of painful degradation of, I don't know how close I was to physical death. I mean, I was 100 pounds heavier than I am today. I've been, you know, about 5'10", 180 pounds for quite a number of years. Um, so I, I, I really don't know at 200, close to 280 pounds, you know, how close I was to physical death. I mean, I, I know people on the line that are much closer, okay? But we, we, we don't know for sure, right? But I'll tell you this. Um, I was dead inside. I probably, you know, had I not uh, come into this program, 
cultivate a, a willingness to cooperate with God's grace, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly certain I would have been dead, but I don't know. But, you know, if I was alive and I hadn't done this, I know, I know what it, being dead inside felt like. I know what, you know, missing uh, special events of family and friends look like. I, I know, for example, what it was like to miss my very best friend's wedding, you know, to lie about it. I did that. I didn't feel I was hurting anybody. You know, I'm, I'm not, how am I hurting you by not showing up to your event? That's on me. It's my problem. Well, I've come to know other things today. I've come to believe other things today. I missed a lot of life. You know, it, it wasn't just that I, that I ate a bottle of baby aspirin when I was five years old. I've shared that, I think, on the lines before. It's one of my first... You know, one of my first, I, I can smile because I don't regret the past or wish to shut the door on it. But, I mean, it wasn't pretty. I can remember it decades ago, right, you know, climbing up to get that bottle of baby aspirin. And it was before the days of childproof caps and, and consuming that sweet-tasting orange, you know, candy. And I ate it the way I ate everything else that tasted good. I ate it till it was gone and then being rushed to the hospital. Can you imagine as a parent, is there any young parents on the line? You got a, you got, you, you, you got a five-year-old grandchild? That's, that was me, and I imagine coming into a, the kitchen and seeing that that child was sitting on the floor of the kitchen with an empty bottle of baby aspirin. I mean, can you imagine? You'd race that child as my mom did to the hospital to have its stomach stumped. You'd pray like crazy, whether you had a belief in, belief in God or not, guess what? Well, you'd be in a foxhole there, wouldn't you? I, don't, I think my mom was, my dad was. It was a Saturday morning. I lived, you know, um, could have gone another way. I wasn't consuming that baby aspirin because uh, I was hungry. I wasn't consuming it because I uh, had a headache. I didn't know from those things, right? It, you know, there was a certain, that sweet taste did something for me that it didn't do for someone else. For another child. So, you know, I, I tell you that, you know, what, what, you know, why do I endeavor to tell, tell these stories? Because it's, it's one reminder of how a human being is not always in cooperation with God's grace, you know, and, and I certainly wasn't. And even when I came into program, I wasn't. Um, you know, if God was a complete delusion pure fantasy, you know, imagined nonsense, or have you ever heard the term, you know, that God is is an opiate of the masses? You ever heard that one, an opiate of the masses? Then, Then as I think, so shall I be. And so for me, you know, that person with that impenetrable, you know, position of intellectual pride and certainty, all I would ever be open to is an experience born of self driven by my thinking, my action, my direction, my outcome, my service. It's my world. According to whom? The committee of three, me, myself, and I. And by the way, I'm not knocking it, nor do I stand in judgment of any human being who subscribes to that way of life. After all, you know, let's be clear about something. Their intentions are just as pure as mine, right? 
you know, there's, there's a, 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 you know, perhaps there's an atheist on the line or someone who, who's been in program for a long time, just as intentional in the beautiful service they do. I'm friends with them, friends with everyone. It's a big tent. And they love others and their family just as deeply as I do. And maybe they're just as peaceful and content in their abstinence as I am. You know, we have an extraordinarily big tent here, here, you know, us in, in, in Overeaters Anonymous. That would be hypocritical of someone to come in and, and start, uh, you know, separating out, you know, good and bad, black and white, if you will, right? That's not what we do. You know, now that, you know, my disclaimer's out of the way, you know, I'm going to speak of God's grace as framed in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And, and I hope that my gratitude swells along the way because that, that's, a, that, that's a part of this. So I want to focus on, on the terms just briefly that, that Melanie talked about, cooperation. She did it so beautifully to act jointly, to work toward the same end. You know, you're working side by side. You're teaming up. And grace you know, because we're because we're defining it from for you know my operational definition is is from a spiritual perspective. Grace, you can look it up in the dictionary. There's a, there's other other um, definitions, but from a spiritual perspective, it's the free and unmerited favor of your higher power. It's manifested or brought about by a bestowal, a giving of, a blessing, not earned, not earned by good deeds. I can't I can't have a big bank statement. And get it, you know, get this. I can't, I can't have a high IQ and get this, you know, solely on that, or, or just go out and, you know, do some good deeds. You can't earn it. I often say that if, uh, if the God of my understanding was a God of justice rather than a God of mercy, I, I wouldn't be here. That may sound, you know, a bit extreme. You know, ease up on that, buddy. But it's true. Thank goodness this God that I eventually decided to cooperate with was the God of mercy. Here's a fun fact. <laughs> the word God appears 134 times within the first 164 pages of the big book. Now, there is someone on the line right now that's going to start to count. I have not counted them. <laughs> In your perfectionism, and uh, you're going to start to count them. So if you come up with 132... You know, that's fine. But but I hear that 134 times God is mentioned in the first 164 pages of the big book. So mathematically, let's see, let me get out my abacus. If, uh, if the word God were distributed evenly throughout the book, it would appear every 1.2 pages in the first 164. Yet that, that isn't the whole story because... See, with, with our pioneers and Bill and others that, that wrote this, I think it was divinely inspired, there's an, an additional 35 or so words and phrases to reference the fundamental idea of God as well. The, the, you know, divine creator, uh, you know, all these types of terms. Now, here's a good segue. Um, here's one of, the, one of the first references of God in the big book, the forward to the second edition, page uh, Let's see here, page XVI, XVI, I like this one. It says uh, an XVI, though he could not accept all the tenets of the Oxford groups, we know the Oxford groups was the, the early Christian movement, um, he was convinced of the need for a moral inventory, 
confession of personal defects, restitution, restitution to those harmed, helpfulness to others, and the necessity of belief in and dependence on God. So we see, we see the, you know, sometimes I hear it said, you know, that, ah, that spiritual, you know, part of the program, the God part of the program, check please, you know, I'll do the other, give me the food plan, give me the, the fellowship, give me that stuff, but the, the God part, you know, there is no God part of this program, there's no spiritual, the, the whole program is spiritual nature as the creators, you know, and the pioneers uh, developed it. You don't have to work it that way, I'm just saying that was how it was, how it was started, it was based on a, a spiritual premise. So, you know, that of course is in, you know, in reference to, to, uh, to Bill, what I read, uh, you know, being relieved of his drink obsession following a me- meeting with his old friend, Ebby Thatcher. You know, he couldn't, Bill couldn't accept all the tenants of the Oxford group. Um, but, you know, there, there's other references, and, I, and I'm going I'm to get to some of those as well. And I'll delve further into the big book with regard to, the, to, the, to our higher power. But allow me to digress briefly to establish a foundation of, of recovery, for recovery here. So here, here's what we know at this point, or we ought to know, is we know what we had to do to prepare for the program of action. We know what we did to prepare for the work to, to cooperate with God's grace. You know, we did, we did the first three steps, let's say, right? And so we found out in the first step what our problem is, or at least what the problem with the compulsive overeater is. And then we had an opportunity to diagnose ourselves, i.e., you know, we asked the question, is this what's wrong with me? Is this my problem? And we found out that a compulsive reader is someone who has a physical allergy to his, his binge substances, uh, which means once they take a bite, they have no ability to determine how many more bites they're going to have after that first bite, right? It's unpredictable. And that the physical allergy is compounded by a mental obsession. This is often referred in the, in the big book as the mental twist, which means, of course, that once they stop eating, as much as they, they, they may not want to go back to it, they will become, you know, quickly or slowly restless, irritable, and discontent, which essentially means, you know, they have trouble living inside their own skin comfortably. And I, I know what that feels like. Perhaps you do too. And that, will, that feeling will eventually get painful enough that they're going to turn to the only thing they know that will quell that pain, that uncomfortability, which is to eat, triggering the physical allergy again. And that cycle is repeated over and over. So we found out what's wrong with us, right? And in the second step, we, we found out what the solution is to what's wrong with us a power greater than human power, God. And we learn about, you know, the idea that all you need to do is to be willing to believe, just willing to believe that there might be some power greater than you. So that's all that's needed. You can make it more complex if you want to, but that's all that's needed for the second step. Simply acknowledge that the possibility may exist, just maybe there might be a power greater than yourself. So one and two these are information gathering steps only. And then in the third step, we make an affirmative declaration based on our understanding of the problem, lack of power, and the solution to the problem, access to a power greater than ourselves. 
that we're ready to do whatever it took to bring that solution to light. And then, of course, we get down to the work, right? We, we, we start with the four-step and a, a searching and fearless moral inventory, and the main building blocks of, of that inventory are our resentments, our fears, the ways in which we harmed others, including sex conduct. And, of course, we learn that the, the key to the four-step and being entirely, you know, is being entirely honest and not withholding any information. Thus, we're going to be thorough. And in the fifth step, we sit down and you know, with another person and, of course, with our higher power and ourselves, and we, we give it all away. We spill all the beans, give that information up, illuminating every twist of character, every, every dark skeleton of our past, right? And then once that information's been cast out, the sixth step allows us to confront our readiness to become willing to have all these defects of character taken from us. And once we're willing to do that, with the seventh step, we added a prayer into our lives and actually asking God to remove from us all these defects of character, all the things admitted, we admitted, you know, which are objectionable, right? And, and that's what we do. And, and, and then, you know, that, that brought us to the end of the taking care of ourselves parts of the steps, you know, the cleansing ourselves part of the steps through seven. And we move into dealing with others, you know, dealing with our fellows. And we learn that you know, I, I, to summarize again, you know, someone once told me steps one, two, and three got me right with God. Four, five, six, and seven you know, get me right with me. Eight and nine got me right with you. And 10, 11, and 12 keep me right with God, with me, and with you. So in eight and nine, now that we dealt with the, the cleansing of ourselves, we made a list of those we harmed and became willing to make amends, right? And we then we made direct amends to, to all those people, and, and we begin the process of making proper amends, and we're going to get help from, from someone that's, that's been up to Mount Everest before, right? They, they, they're, they're a Sherpa that's, that they, they've been up there already. They're, they're going to tell us how to do this. You know, what, is it, what does it look like to make a proper amends? And then, of course, 10, 11, and 12, as recovered compulsive overeaters, we seek to, to maintain and grow, maintenance and grow, what God has so graciously given to us, i.e. recovery. And, and this is the point at which we, we become spiritually awakened. That's we, we're in cooperation with God's grace. You know, and, and I would offer to you in terms of understanding the addict, the metaphor of a computer that's got a virus. Not a perfect metaphor, but let's, let's, let's use it. Now, if you come across a computer that had a virus and you, and you didn't really know anything about, about computers, you might take a look at that computer and think, oh, okay, here's a defective computer, right? When, in fact, it's probably not a defective computer. I mean, probably that computer came off the assembly line with all the, the proper parts and, and all the things it needs to, to operate uh, okay, to function properly. But at some point, See, it came in contact with some faulty information that has rendered it unable to function the way it's supposed to function. And it may even have crippled the darn computer. Have you ever had a, a, a computer that crashes with the virus? It cripples it. It's inoperable. And in terms of functioning the way it's supposed to function, it's crippled. And let's face it, a compulsive overeater, same thing, right? You might look at an addict and think to yourself, a uh, defective person. 
the alcoholic or the compulsive overeater will <laughs> certainly give off uh, the vibe. I certainly give off the vibe of a defective person. I'm not saying morally, good, bad, or others. I'm just saying, you know, I, I gave off the vibe. I was busting windshields and stealing money and doing lots of things. That's a defective person in that in that context. But but this, this isn't this isn't a defective person. Most probably, that person came off the the factory line, as it were, with all its proper parts and what it needs to function properly in the world. And they came across some faulty information. See, I, I came across some faulty information, which which rendered me unable to function properly. May, may, may even have crippled them in their ability to function properly. Now we know that about human beings. See, we know that about alcoholics, addicts, compulsive overeaters, because we know uh, that mankind's most basic natural instinct is survival. Survival, that's our, that's our instinct. We're wired for survival. And, you, you know, that's why you're going to hear stories about someone who's like skiing and falls and gets their leg, you know, caught in a bear trap and, and then they crawl 30 miles to safety or a grandmother who pulls a car off a grandkid. See, there's nothing that we're wired for more than survival. We come off the factory line with everything we need. But the compulsive overeater is actually wired for self-destruction, not survival, right? We're, we're operating 180 degrees apart from, from mankind's most basic instinct, we're actually trying to kill ourselves one day at a time with a spoon, a knife, and a fork. We're digging our grave. There's nothing, no, there's, you know, there's nothing inherent about survival in that. So some information got into the CPU, the, what does that stand for? Central Processing Unit, sticking with the metaphor here, right? That is disallowing us to function properly. Now, if you had a computer that had a virus, what you'd probably do with that computer is you'd send it to a professional. I know I would. I, I, I don't have the background to fix my own computer. Or most probably send it back to the factory. Well, that, that's what recovery is. That's what cooperating with God's grace is, isn't it? That's what we're doing. We're taking our operating system, our minds and our hearts, which have come into contact with some faulty information along the way, and we're sending them back to, you know, the factory, the, the, the creator. We're sending them to get a professional so we can get this all worked out. Now, if my computer had a virus and I gave it to the professional, and let's say it's going to take three days, I don't know, three days to fix it, right? Let me tell you, I would really miss my computer. <laughs> can anyone else identify with that? You ever been without your phone for a couple of days? I know someone recently, she was out without her phone, for, I think, for a day. It's ready to pull her hair out. You, you, you ever been without your phone or your computer for, for a day? And, and you look at the amount of time we spend on the computer, email, Facebook, work stuff. That, that, that's a tragic three days, let me tell you. And what I might do, I might just use my support system to help me through this while my computer was fixed, right, while my phone's getting fixed. While it's getting well, 
uh, I, I might just uh, uh, tap into my support system. And, and, you know, thankfully today I can tell you I, I have a pretty good support system. Thankfully, there's, there's people who love me. So part of that support system might just be people who empathize with me. Oh, Wilder, that, 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 Wilder, that sucks. That, that, that's horrible. Seriously? How are you doing, man? You getting through it? Or maybe a buddy would say, uh, hey, hey, you know what? Why don't you come over to my place? You can, you can, you can use my computer. I, I got this phone. Uh, you, can, you can use it. It's a, it's a flip phone. I'm going to throw that across the street here, flip phone. But, you know, but, but I got a flip phone. You can use that. So it might be pretty nice to have that support system to help me through that time. But can we all agree that the support system is not how my, my computer, my phone will get fixed? No matter how much my friends empathize with me or let me use their, their, their computer, that won't fix my computer, right? My computer is going to get fixed because there's actions being taken. See, I'm cooperating with the way the world works. And, and these are two separate things, right? See, I, I got this really nice support system that has my back and, and allows me to feel loved and supported while the actions are being taken to actually take care of my problem, to, to take care of the virus. No different in recovery. No different in recovery. <clears throat> the actions are being uh, taken, you know, this cre- it, 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 and, it, it, and it, this, this really creates a very, very critically important distinction in terms of the two elements that comprise what we understand as Overeaters Anonymous. We have a support system, and we have a program of action. The support system is what we call the fellowship. And the program of action is what we call the steps, the program. The fellowship and the program are not the same thing. And it's, it's really, really important that I understand the, the, uh, the, the difference. The fellowship, uh, the fellowship, the tools, uh, the meetings, calling my sponsor every day. You know, I'm using the telephone, writing. The the stories we hear, you're hearing one now. This story's not going to get you well. The idea of doing, you know, 90 meetings in 90 days, that, that all falls under the umbrella of fellowship. The fellowship is our support system. That's what the fellowship does. It supports us. Well, what, what does it support us in doing? The book Alcoholics Anonymous describes in the doctor's opinion that, that if, you, if you have this thing, if you have this illness, what, what you're going to need to get better is what Dr. Silkworth explains in the chapter. He, calls it, he, he says it's a complete psychic change. Now, you're not going to have a complete psychic change in the fellowship, why is that? See, this, this would be like expecting the support of your buddies to make your computer work properly, right? We're going to come to the fellowship to support and love us while we have the complete psychic change through the program. The, the, the text instructs us how to precisely work the steps. That's how we cooperate with God's grace. So, you know, now once the virus is removed from my computer... You know, I might want to take some steps to ensure that I don't get another virus again. That, that, that might mean getting some protection software, 
it's sort of like what we do in, in the 10, 10, uh, 10th, 11th, and 12th step, right? So th this, is, this is the notion. When I talk about cooperating with God's grace, um, you know, one of the things, I'll just talk from my own experience, one of the things that I didn't do, one, I didn't put the food down 100%. There's no, no, no cooperate, no teaming up with God as long as, I'm, as long as I'm picking up my heroin foods, right? I remember someone called me once and said, you know, was really took issue with me using that term, and I understood why. She lost a daughter from heroin addiction, really felt bad about using the heroin term. And I'm, I'm not being sarcastic, I really did. But then I thought, no, sometimes imagery that disturbs is a good thing. Now, I'm sorry about her loss and so forth, but I mean... The imagery was necessary for me. I needed to be disturbed sometimes for me to really get a, a picture because, see, I thought that food, you know, surely this is not overly problematic. I mean, come on, you're going to see people today, some of us, right, and tomorrow that are eating to oblivion. I mean, and it's legal. You know, let's get off this syringe notion, right? But, but, but the truth is, you know, this is the one disease where we, you know, where we're armed and dangerous to destroy ourselves if you are a compulsive reader. So that was one way that I was not cooperating coming into program. And the other thing is I didn't follow the instructions. And I'll give you, let me give you an example of one instruction I didn't follow. I'm going to turn to page uh, um, the 10th step here. Um, I believe on page 85, although I have a book with, you know, I, I don't need my cheaters with this book. You, you guys have a book that has the large print. <laughs> this is where I am in my life today. I got the, the book with the large print. Um, it talks about the 10th the step, and it says that, you know, you know, we have entered the world of the spirit, but, but I'll get back to that. It says, um, you know, continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. Well, there's an instruction. When these crop up, we ask to God. We ask God at once to remove them. I'm not asking God. When I when I felt uh, fear, dishonesty, resentment, selfishness, I, you know, you left that out of my book. I'm not asking for. I'm not following that instruction. I got this. I'm going to empathize with the person. I'm going to pray for the person. I've. I am in control. I'm a self-sufficient man. To ask God to remove it and follow that instruction means that my ego has to be smashed because if I'm self-sufficient, I'm, I'm a problem solver, baby. I'm not, I'm not, I don't go to God. To, now, wait a minute. But it just told me we ask God at once to remove them. Now, I'll, I'll discuss it with someone, and maybe not immediately. I'll commiserate and try to you know, finds a hostage somewhere to agree with my way of thinking. But we discussed them with someone immediately. We made amends quickly if we've harmed anyone. What the heck did you just put in my book? This was not here. Then we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. I wasn't following the instructions. Was I, what, what sort of cooperation was I having? See, either the book is fiction and it's, nonsense and it's a salad bar in a sense take what you want and leave the rest i'm going to leave most of it but what if i follow the by following the instructions precisely what if that is the most 
evident way that I would be cooperating with God's grace is by following these instructions. What if this book is as I heard, I've heard Harlan, I mean, he steals everything for everyone else anyway. What if, what if, what if, you know, I, what if I follow these instructions precisely and tested God? You know, what if I tested God to see, to see if this is real? Because I can't have my psychic change based on yours. I got to have my own. What if I follow these instructions precisely? What if this book was written by human beings, but it was divinely inspired? What if that were true? If it's not, go, go, go somewhere else maybe. You know, find a solution somewhere else. See if you can find a different solution. But once I had, uh, you know, I had become willing to follow these instructions precisely, that requires that I pocket my false pride because I got this. You know, I'm going to do this myself. These are suggestions. They told me they're suggestions. No real musts. But I, all those half measures availed me nothing. I mean, I made some friends in program. I, I could diet, and group, diet in a group with a, a bit of support uh, with the best of them. I could lose some weight for a time. But I, was, I continued to be restless, irritable, and discontent. So I wasn't necessarily in cooperation with God's will. That's for sure. Okay, so let me, let me bring it back. I'm going to start to wind down a little bit. But I want to, you know, I want to talk about this. Uh, in, in the 10th step, it says we have entered the world of the spirits. And I'm just going to stick on that line. We've entered the world of the spirit. So I heard this. So my question is, how, how does one know they've entered the world of the spirit? Is this like Wally world? You know, is there, is there some sort of sign world of the spirit this way? You know, some, some door uh, head, head 10 miles due North to enter the magnificent world of the spirit. You know, wouldn't it be nice if we had some evidence? Oh, here's a little bit of evidence. We're going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. We'll comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. There's some evidence. That's how I know I've entered the world of the spirit. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. This this stuff happened. Once I entered Wally world, I entered the world of the spirit. That was my evidence. Our whole attitude and outlook outlook on life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. This stuff happened to me. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. See, suddenly we're awakened to the truth that God is no longer a theory. We're no longer relying on hoping or that our sponsor had a spiritual awakening. I just had one. You, you, you have one as a result of these steps. And that is entering the world of the spirit. That's how we cooperate with God's grace. You, you, you now have personal proof that this world exists. 
And as Bill writes, Bill wrote, we, we have a glimpse of the kingdom of God. We have a glimpse of the kingdom of God. And our glimpse serves as motivation to see more. I, I want more of the glimpse. And ego fights this. Because once we enter the world of the spirit, once you, know, you get into Wally world, <clears throat> guess what happens to the ego? It begins to disappear. I'm going to close with a prayer that I heard recently. I love it. It's called the ego prayer. You ready for the ego prayer? By the way, it looks like any other prayer. You know, perhaps I'll, I'll, I'll even you know, get down on my knees to say the ego prayer. If you saw me, you know, you, you know it looks like I'm praying. the ego prayer. You can't tell what prayer I'm saying. Here's how the ego prayer goes. Something like this. God, thank you with all my heart for showing me the way towards an awakened life. I, I have such amazing gratitude, God, for enabling me to work through these steps to know you better. Thank you. Thank you for removing these defects of character so that I may be of maximum service to you and my fellows, God. And God, now that I'm recovered, removed from the world of fear and resentment, you know, transforming me to this wonderful world of peace, and serenity and love. And, and I'm so grateful, God, that you've placed me in, 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 this, in this position where I no longer need you. I never dreamed that I would be returned to a, a state of entire self-sufficiency where I have no need to see your sorry ass anymore. And for that, God, I am eternally, I will be eternally grateful. Amen. And then we get off our knees, taking complete credit for our sobriety. I take some bows, you know, look at me, look at me. Now how sad that would be, right? You know, may, may we never achieve that delusion that we're completely self-sufficient. And with that, Melanie, I will pass. Thanks. Thank you very much. Larry Kay. That was really wonderful. You gave so much of yourself this morning. I, um, I'm grateful for the directions on how to cooperate with um, with God through his grace. Thank you so much. We're going to open the lines up now for folks that might have some questions of Larry about the topic today. Am I cooperating with his grace, with God's grace? And I can take that line up now. Are you ready, Larry? I am, I am. Excellent. Who would like to ask a question of Larry this morning? Deborah, Ali. M. Alita J. Alita. Ginger C. Hi, Ginger. Anyone else? Martha S. Gotcha, Martha. Anyone else? Jane J. Jane J. Mm hmm. Okay, I think we got it. Let's go with that lineup then. We have Deborah M., Alita J., Ginger C., Martha S., and Jane J. Good morning, Deborah. Your question for Larry. Yes. Good morning, Larry. Thank you so much, Deborah M., from the East Coast, going through the steps and very grateful to be abstinent. I have a question. I seem to get stuck in 10, and I'm not always sure when I'm moving into self-reliance. I'm sure I do um, until it's until I'm way down. 
that road. I'm wondering if you had any suggestions or things that begin to trigger you to realize, oh, I'm I'm going into self-reliance and I'm not following the steps. Thank you. Sure, Deborah. Well, yeah, it's, you know, and it, it was a process for me. If I followed the steps precisely, you know, imperfectly, Deborah, um, you know, once I, I transitioned from, you know, making amends to others for the harms that I had done, and I transitioned into 10, and now I'm a recovered compulsive reader. And what that means to me is the, among other things, I've entered the world of the spirit, okay, and, um, and, and the obsession's been lifted, you know, it may, I may have started to feel lifted prior. Every, you know, everyone's a little bit different, but th- that's when it began to, to be lifted for me. Now, then it gives us, you know, instructions again. And I, again, I, I operate from the big book. And the reason I do, the reason I'm, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid here with this big book is really for one, one reason. It was the only thing that worked for me. So I had been in OA for a long time and, uh, and I had, uh, I love literature. I love reading and I love identifying in with OA literature. And I read very widely. I read, you know, a big book. I read OA literature. I read things outside a program that I wouldn't reference on this line because it's not approved literature. So I want to say that, you know, mention that there was a foundation because the big book is what got me well. And, and the instructions for the 10 step are right there. And I do get asked that a lot. You know, well, how do you know when, it rises to the level where you, you know, need to do a 10 step. First, I need to know what it's asking me to do because for me, I've heard it said a 10 step is kind of like a mini four through nine, right? You know, kind of a spot check. I do it. I've learned from people. I learned on the shoulders of giants and I've learned from many people in this program and other programs that, you know, I do it when these crop up. I follow these instructions because it says, so I don't even wait till the I, at the end of the day. When these crop up, it tells me what to do. What crops up? Well, it says, um, you know, and, and this is not an overnight matter. Should continue for a lifetime looking for these things. It says continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. When these crop up, it tells me what to do. So for me, I don't even judge, uh, you know, look, we, we work, we got families, we got things. But when in doubt... I do it, you know, so if I, got, if I have to do it throughout the day. Now, what I can tell you, here's the good news. I bet others, I bet Melanie will tell you this as well. I bet Melanie's not doing as many 10 steps um, as she did, you know, years ago. I, 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 I'm guessing, I'm guessing she might say she does. I don't know. But I'm guessing most people I know that have, because we're not stepping on toes as often, and thus our toes are not getting stepped on. But in the beginning um, of becoming a newly recovered compulsive reader, I had, I had lots of 10 steps. And, and I started doing the 10 steps even before that. You don't have to wait till you get into the 10 step to do them. In fact, the instructions tell us to do them right away. Um, but uh, but I, I stopped judging and analyzing. If something was bothering me where I knew I was selfish, dishonest, fearful, right? If I felt these things, it was renting some space in my head. Then I followed the instructions. When they cropped up, I just did it. I asked God at one, God, please remove this resentment. I discussed it with someone immediately. Now, I, I made amends quickly. If I harmed anyone as a result of that thing that occurred, that fear, that, that resentment, that selfishness. But if not, then we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. Love and tolerance for others is our code. So for me, we, this is where we practice. You know, I'm in private practice. I'm getting better. 
I'm good. Yeah, I used to have like a, like let's just say I used to have a million uh, uh, ten steps I had to do every day. Now I'm down to a hundred thousand. <laughs> you know, like like it's like that. I don't I don't have the expectation that God will render me perfect. So when they come up, I don't analyze them too much. I just do them. I don't I don't know if that if that helps a little bit, Deborah. But I, I appreciate the question. Oh yes, thank you. Just assume sure, that they will pop up. Thank you. That's Bye-bye. it. You bet. Thank you, Deborah, for the question. Alita J, you're next. Hi, good morning, dear OE family. Thank you, Melanie, and thank you, Larry. Um, Larry, I do have a question for you, and um, I'm wondering about, you talked about entering the world of the spirit, and um, um so if you could elaborate a little bit on how you transitioned or did that just happen um, through the process of the steps and everything, I seem to have blocks as such as um, very low um, worthy sense of worthiness or low self-esteem and also lack of courage and people-pleasing. So those maybe are some blocks that I see through this season, this holiday season, that my higher power has really been trying to bless me in huge ways, and I seem to just, they pass me by because I'm not there. So, I'm not sure. If you could elaborate a little bit on how how the transition happened for you from um, self-sufficiency to entering the world of spirit. Thank you. Sure. Yeah, it's it's just a process, you know. When I when I read, I always go back to the big book, um, and 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 certainly I'll share my experience. It's gotten better over time, you know. That's why I use the you know the idea of Wally World, you know, because it, it it says here, you know, we we you know on page uh, I think it's eighty four, well at least in my book here we have entered. This brings this thought brings us to, to step ten. So that means I, if I'm doing this in sequence, I completed my my ninth step. Uh, amends, right? And I'm transitioning then immediately into 10. And so those nine step promises, they come, you know, right after I've completed uh, uh, the amends. And it talks about, you know, it lays out the, uh, you know, if we're, if we're painstaking about this phase of our development, we, what, phase, what phase of our development? Well, that's, you just made the nine step amends. If you were painstaking about that, that phase, you're going to be amazed before you're halfway through. That's what I saw. Um, and, and then when we, and it gives all the different things like, you know, how self-seeking slips away and uh, we, we gain, you know, we lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. I began to slowly see some of those things. But, you know, but when, when it moves on to step 10 and we begin to transition into the instructions in 10, for me, my experience was, see, I'm still, um, a person, let's, let's go with one of your things. I still, in certain areas of my life, have low self-esteem. Let me give you one of them, okay? Let me give you one of them. Oh, I'm pretty effective here on the line in my PJs in my own home. But if I saw you in front of me, maybe I'd, you know, I'd feel, because, because the guy in the back, see, I could conjure up in my mind that the guy in the back of the room in the red sweater, I see you over there, right? He, 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 he just looked at me funny. And then I, I perceive that he, he doesn't think much of me. He doesn't like my God talk or something, or, you know. And, uh, and then it becomes, because I feel it, thus, thus it's true. You know, I felt it. 
well, my feelings aren't facts. You know, and then I conjure up in my mind a delusion that, that, that he said that. That guy in the red sweater way back there, that, that, that's what he said. He said that, no, he didn't say anything, but I can, I can create that delusion in my mind. So I'm using that as an example where I can feel less than. There could be uh, 100 people in the room, and if I perceive that one person way in the back, the guy in the red sweater doesn't like me, of course, he never said he didn't like me, but because I felt it, then I create that delusion that's real. You know, and, and, and I was wrong about that. So what I find, I'm using one of yours because I find that over time, as I continue to, to maintenance and grow in steps 10, 11, and 12, what I've been so uh, graciously given by my higher power, it's gotten better, Anita. It's gotten better over time. So I would tell anyone that God's not through with you. I hope he's never through with me. There, there's the, you know, the, I, I need a, sometimes I need a bigger picture of God because maybe God need, you know, needs me to be imperfect. Here's another hypothesis. He needs me to be imperfect. Now, I am imperfect because I'm human. I'll always be imperfect. But he needs me to be imperfect. Maybe there's something about that. You know, I could be like the janitor. Can I be the janitor sweeping, just sweep, sweep, sweep? I heard this story too. Sweep, sweep, sweep. And can I be okay with that? Rather than, you know, wanting to play the role to be the star, I want to be like De Niro playing the janitor who's sweeping. That's my ego. And what this program has done is it has allowed me to be the janitor and just sweep and say, that's, that's, that's what God, that's where I'm at. And that's okay. You know, it's okay where I'm at. So I don't know. I'm just sharing. I'm rambling a little bit. But I hope that helps a little bit, Anita. Oh, it does. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thank you, Alita J. Ginger C., you're next. That was Alita. I'm sorry, Alita. Hi. Good morning, Mel. Can you hear me? I can. Good morning. Good morning. Um, thank you so much, Larry, for what you shared. That was that was a real joy to have that this morning. And um, I'm sort of stumped. I have two questions for you. I don't think I can double dip on both. So do you want question one or question two? Uh, uh, let's go, Ginger, let's go with question one. Let's go with the first question one. Question one, okay. So a lot of times um, when I'm doing my 10 step and when I'm finished, um, my teachers have told me, you know, had you checked your motives prior you probably wouldn't be doing this 10 step. And um, so a lot of times I feel like I'm in God's will and I feel like I'm in alignment and doing the right next thought and action. However, it really was selfish, self-centered ginger at the root of it. And thus, thus I was doing a 10 step. So how do you know when it's God's will and not Larry's? Yeah, I, no, it's a, that's a great question, ginger. It's a great, great question. Here's, I'll go back to the nine step um, promises, which, which just, you know, I, the, the truth is I don't necessarily know, right? But um, when I look at the nine-step promises, um, it talks about that we will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. And I like that idea because that really has happened, and it, it gets better I know you've seen that, Ginger, um, in your life, too. It gets better. I'm not where I was a year ago. Intuitively, I, I know how to handle things better, but not perfectly because 
there are still times where I'm just, I, I, I don't have a good intuitive sense of what my motive is. You know, let's see if I can come up with an example. Um, uh, here's one. Okay, boy, it's amazing. I could just share stuff, you know, that I'd never share. I wouldn't want you to hear, but I'm glad it's just you and me, just you, uh, me and Ginger and Melanie on the line, so this won't get around. So, um, so you know, I, 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 was, I was dating someone. I'm a, I'm a single fella, and I was dating someone, and I, I had, um, she had moved into a new, a new townhome, and, and, and we had, um, we, we had broken it off, and it was kind of a mutual thing, and, um, and I had a couple of boxes of things of hers. One, one of them was some Christmas decorations. And the reason I had it, I, I, she, she, she was moving and there was just an overflow of stuff. And I, you know, said, I, I, can, I can keep that in my home and um, a few boxes. And so I, there was a couple boxes left. And, and we, had, we had broken up on decent terms. And, um, and uh, so here comes the selfishness. Here comes Mr. Selfish. It's I'm being visited. And I've got the boxes, and it's the Christmas stuff. And she, she, you know, she would like to get those back. And I arranged to bring them back. And I don't think anybody on the line would say that that was a horror that I wanted to bring them back. Except, you know, the one thing is I had some other motives too. Now, let, you know, my, my motives were not horrible, but I, I wanted to see her, you know. And and I brought the brought the boxes back, and we had, you know, discussion and so forth, and. Next thing you know, you know, invited her out to dinner, and we and we really had a good discussion, and it, and the ending was was really good, and that was okay. But but let me tell you, my motives, Ginger, were not so pure. There was a part of me. It's like I could use an example like that, where on the face of it, my intention is good to bring over the boxes. But I sometimes I have. You ever have ulterior motives as well? Can you have mixed motives? And so that that was selfish of me. There was a level of dishonesty. I, I needed to do a 10-step there. Now, sometimes it's not as evident or it's not as clear, but I think when I, if I'm open to God, saying, God, help, help me, you know, I, I, I want to be, God, I want to be of maximum service to you and to those around me. Please divorce me from self-pity, dishonest, and self-seeking motives. You know, right, right out of the big book, right? I wish I would create those poetic words, but I didn't. They're right out of the big book, but I steal them and I use them and I apply them. And when I do that, I have a more open heart, you know, and, and that's why I can share that with you today because it doesn't, you know, make me sound so great. Makes me, you know what it makes me sound like? I bet. I bet I sound human. Just because I'm recovered from the seemingly hopeless state of mind and body, you know, let's, let's, let's not get carried away. I'm never going to be perfect. So, you know, so anyways, but that's good for me because it's a great, it's a great bit of humility, you know, a great bit of humility. So I don't know if that helps Ginger, but that's my answer. Thank you, Ginger C. Martha S., you're next. And Jane will come in after you. Hi, this is Martha S., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Eater in upstate New York. Thank you, Larry, and thank you, Melanie. Um, when you were talking about the phones and throwing the phone across the street, it made me think about phone calls for some reason. Um, and I have a question for you about when you're working with sponsees, do you recommend that they make three outreach calls a day or any, something else? Because my experience with my sponsor is that she didn't ask me to do that. And when I work with others, I... 
I'm thinking the guidance I've gotten from my higher power and my understanding of this big book is that, as you said, the fellowship is separate from the steps or it's different from. So I encourage people to make one call a day to build their fellowship and ask for help and talk to other compulsive eaters. Um, but that the three calls would might might teach them that every time they're agitated, they have to they have to talk to another person to feel better. Um, instead of um, going through the steps as briskly as possible so they can have a connection with their higher power first and foremost, even in step 10. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but I'm open to hearing about how you sponsor others around asking them to make phone calls. Thank you. Uh, Thanks for the question, Martha. So we're talking cognitive. Who knew we were going to be talking cognitive behavioral therapeutic approaches to the, and I mean that with love and, and kindness. Um, yeah, there's, you know, it's interesting. This is a disease of isolation, right, for a lot of us. I know for me, man, I, I loved the Weight Watchers point system when it went online years and years ago. Now I don't have to see anyone. I can literally play that game of counting up points, you know, and I don't have to show up. I wish they would, you know, like slip a scale underneath my door so I didn't have to see anyone and I could do my way in that way. You know, so so hopefully you're, my you know my point is is well taken. A little bit of humor, but you know, the thing about it is there's nothing magical in in three phone calls or three thousand phone calls. I've gone both routes. You know, the thing about it is is so when I sponsor people, I certainly encourage them to. Uh, this, this is a we program. Uh, I I Martha cannot do this alone. We, we, you and I, we, we, we can do this together. So, you know, if I don't, if a sponsor, you know, says, you know, I want you to make uh, X number of phone calls a day, I think there's something nice about the humility of one who's willing to do certain things that perhaps is something they don't want to do. I didn't want to put the food down. They kept telling me, put the food down. That was a, a directive, if you will. Uh, I chose to disregard the directive. Thank you very much. I was told, you know, three phone calls. I think the only danger, I use that word very loosely, the only danger in mandating certain things like that is if we can't explain the essence of the program, you know, the idea that it's a we program, the idea that we, we together, we need, to, we need to do things that are uncomfortable sometimes. And there's, there's people on the line that are absolutely uncomfortable making phone calls to people, you know. So to encourage people to do that and broaden their network. Conversely, I, 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 I have concerns sometimes when I see people, you know, working tools. Now, the tools are important, essential. But they see the tools as if there was going to be some magic in the phone calls. We are overachievers, so someone who's super willing in the moment will make 30 phone calls and think that 30 phone calls surely will earn them into Wally World, and it won't. It won't it, you won't get to the world of the spirit by making 30 phone calls or speed reading the big book or having the perfect food plan because none of those things were, or calling your sponsor at 7.32 and 30 seconds each morning, nothing magical in that, right? So I worry sometimes, Martha, about that, but, but I think if we can convey the, the essentials of it to, to suggest that, look, 
it's, 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 you know, it's, it's building our muscles and we use the tools to support us while we get well. I told someone yesterday, I'm crying on the floor in the bathroom. Uh, as people, you know, my family's eating around me. I can't, you know, one of those types of calls or emails. Um, you know, we, we do need to use the tools, just like my computer virus example. The, the, my, the people that empathize with me are not going to get me well, but it sure in the heck beats a stick in the eye. I need people to support me while I'm willing to go through the uncomfortability of the suffering of putting the food down. See, I remember what that was like, so I tell her, you know, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd certainly get to a meeting. I'd certainly call people. You know, that, that, that may help while you race through the steps. It's the steps. That's why I distinguish the fellowship, i.e. tools and so forth, versus the program of action. That's why we say we race through the steps like our hair is on fire because we need to get across that bridge where the obsession is lifted because you can't, you can't, you can't put your syringe down, your needle down for very long unless the obsession's lifted. And the obsession's lifted as the result of a spiritual awakening, an effective spiritual awakening. So I hope that helps a little bit. Yeah, it does help. And I'm sorry, I accidentally hung up and missed the first part of your response. I think you're... It was, Martha, it was, me- it was meant to happen because it was all, whatever I said was all nonsense the first time. <laughs> you, you heard the good uh, Okay, stuff. but thank you. Thank you very much. Sure, sure my pleasure. Yep. And the beauty and wonder of reco- recordings. And so this will go to our vault and you'll be able to listen to it again there. So that's the great thing, right, you guys? Okay, Jane, Jay, you're next, and then we'll open it up for others that have questions for Larry. Hi, Jane. Hi, good morning, Mel. Can I be heard? You can. Hey, good morning. Hi, good morning. Thank you, Larry, for your share and your service. My question is, higher power is the solution to our spiritual sickness. What does higher power do for you that the food could not do for you to make you feel better? Ah, what a great question. So what does the higher power do for me that the food, well, and, and previously, so we, you know, we hear about my emotions, my normal human emotions build up as they do in all human beings. You know, I, I feel, uh, I feel uh, joy. I'm feeling joy right now. I, I would eat over joy. Absolutely. Exuberance. I would eat over some, some otherwise positive things, a lot of energy. I would eat over those things. I can eat over anger, fear, jealousy, all the normal human emotions. They build up in human beings, every one of us. They build up, you know, uh, on some level. And I could eat over all those things. What, what my higher power does is it, there's, it's a kind of a replacement policy here. Now, I can't tell you how that happened. I don't understand the mechanisms of it. I would just be giving you a hypothesis on the mechanisms of it. I don't, because it's not about science, this spiritual realm, I really can't tell you. It would just be an addict telling you and speculating and trying to articulate something. But I can tell you that for me personally, my higher power fills that hole in my soul, that unfillable hole in my soul, unfillable with with food and, um, oh my gosh, I mean, you name it. Uh, you know, it was like anything that would show me a little bit of love or give me a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of uh, comfort, any behavior, any substance, that's my higher power 
and this replaced that. And so there's there's my higher power for me. And again, I'm not a I'm not a, a religious person, although there's nothing wrong with that. But I am I am deeply spiritual, and um, and so the higher power fills my soul with contentment, and sometimes with just feeling. I don't know, just feeling content with being the janitor sweeping up, you know. Um, I'm walking around my home here. Um, you know what, Mel, it needs to be cleaned a little bit here, you know. They, they, I see some dust bunnies around here. It's not perfect. i got some clothes sitting around here. What is, this, what is Neutrogena moisturizer doing in my kitchen? Like what, it doesn't belong there. My life's not perfect, you know, but I have a, I, I can just be the janitor sweeping. I don't have to play the role of janitor, you know. Like I don't have, you don't have to be Meryl Streep playing the role of janitor. You can just be the, I'm okay today. My higher power allows me to feel okay today just being one among many. And sometimes, sometimes I'm okay. I had to be okay with maybe, on occasion, being in a more leadership role. That doesn't feel comfortable to me because you know what? I'm not good enough for that. No, maybe that's what I'm being asked to do. But if I'm just the janitor, I'm okay with that too. That's what my higher power does for me. Allows me to be comfortable in my own skin. Um, wow. So anyways, truly, it's, it is a miracle. It is a miracle. So with that, uh, I'll pass with that. Thanks. My pleasure. Hey, yo, Melanie, we lost you. My oh, dear I Melanie. have just been caught by are. my unmuting. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you might not you're want back. to hear me clear my throat. Yeah, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jane J. Um, I'd like to open up for more opportunity for questions for you, Larry. Lindsay B.? Is it? Oh, Hi, Lindsay. Sorry. I'm You're so excited. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyone else besides Lindsay? Star one, please. But Lindsay, go ahead for now, and we'll see what happens after that. All right. Good morning, Larry. Simone? How wonderful to hear you. Can you hear me? We can. Thank you. Oh, okay. Um, I so appreciated a, a lot of the um, specific examples. So, so very helpful. I guess my question is, and I know you've talked about this before, but I, you know, I'm a quick forgetter. I'd like to hear it again. And that's a little bit, and, and maybe you already touched on that because I was actually gone for a few minutes in, in the last 20, about the 11th step. And, and for me, I, um, my days are so beautifully full and um, I'm just feeling so grateful. But by seven o'clock at night, I, I shut down. I'm exhausted. I'm, I'm, and it's, it's kind of a good exhausted. And it's very easy for me to go into this place of, oh, there's something I'm not doing right, and I'm supposed to do my eleventh step, and, or, and I'll fall into this just such exhaustion. I know you've talked about that before. Maybe not doing it at night. And can you address that a little bit? How that's worked for you? Oh sure, Lindsay, I can. And and you know, it would let's see, it would be it would be easy to be vague about this matter. Yeah, maybe I can offer some definite and valuable suggestions. I just stole that right from my book here. Um, yeah, no, I, you know, I'm a morning guy, Lindsay. I'm a morning guy. I don't operate well much past eight p.m. Isn't that horrible? You know, but I I just don't. So, 
when I retire at night, uh, sometimes it's right in front of the TV. <laughs> I, don't, I become comatose and uh, I don't recall, you know, and, and so I don't. But I've, the beauty of it is I've come to a level of acceptance of that. I think God is really another thing that my higher power has done for me is I used to feel so ashamed by that, which may sound crazy, but really, you know, that, you know, and, and, and in the context of program, because it tells me when we retire at night, we constructively review our day. Where were we resentful, selfish, dishonest, or afraid? Do we owe an apology? Have we kept something to ourselves which should be discussed with another person at once? You know, was I kind and loving to all? You know, some of the instructions, I, I absolutely follow those instructions just as a human being does imperfectly, but I do them. I absolutely do them. Um, so maybe for me, Lindsay, you know, I might, uh, boy, I am ready to, I'm raring to go in the morning. So sometimes, or earlier in the day, maybe I'm doing it at 6 p.m. as I'm driving back from work, maybe I'm going through it. I think what's important here for me is with all these, it's not, you know, it's, it's, it's where do these words, these instructions within our text lead us? Are we following the instructions precisely? There's no hocus pocus. There's no, you know, you know, pixie dust here as if someone who is, who is not following the instructions, but boy, on a dime, they were, you know, right at, you know, right at, uh, you know, 1101, right before they go to bed, you know, and they constructively, I think it's fine. Do you have a laminated card? Beautiful. Bonus for you you know, with the instructions. I've seen people do that. I'm telling you, for me, it works okay. I, I think, I, I, I'm guessing, I think God's okay with it with me. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to think that. I think this God of my understanding is okay with me reviewing it at 6 p.m. or in the morning. I, I'm thinking that might be the case. So I don't know if that helps, Lindsay, but I, I really feel like, you know, when we follow the instructions, we do need, you know, to acknowledge that, uh, you know, some of us, um, you know, um, just might not be evening people, you know, and, uh, and, that, and, and I think that's okay. Part of this is acceptance. Love and acceptance of self is one of the things that my higher power has done for me. And it's not a, a, a one fell swoop sort of thing with a magic wand. It's just happened over time. It's unfolded it, on, over time and it continues to unfold. And um, that, as I've accepted myself more, uh, with my imperfections, boy, do I have more that I can give others. Has God used me to help others? Pretty, pretty miraculous. Um, so I hope that helps. Oh, yes, that was lovely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lindsay B. I'm going to offer one more last opportunity for folks that have questions for Larry. Is there anyone out there that would like to ask Larry a question? And this will be your last opportunity. Julie H. Hi, Leslie Julie. W. Hi, Leslie. You know, and I think I heard someone by the name of Simone, too, just yes. outside of Lindsay. Is that true? Oh, yes. great. Simone. I did. Okay. Simone G. Thank you. Simone G. Okay. Simone Thanks. G. Okay. So we're going to have Julie, Leslie, and Simone. Good morning, Julie. Hi. Good morning. Am I being heard? Yeah. Oh, thank you. Um, mm-hmm. Thank you. I'm, in, I'm wondering, if let's say we were listening to all the resentments, and um, I'm going to refer to resentments. So... I've been in a situation with a lot of resentments, and I keep clearing the resentments, and I keep, it's a, it's a deep resentment that had been going on for a while, and I cleared it, and I prayed for the person, and I worked the steps, and 
I've been dealing with, but every time we're dealing with that person, a new resentment keeps cropping. The resentments keep coming. And I'm just wondering, how do you deal with resentment that it's not in the past? It's constantly in the present, in the present. And you just keep, every time I deal with it and I'm even making my amends, suddenly the new resentment comes up and then I feel like resentful. And then I'm constantly in that cycle of making new resentments and it just keeps happening over and over because the situation has never anyways resolved. Yeah, well, um, that was Julie, right? Yeah. Is that Julie? Okay, thanks. So, Julie, you know, one of the things, I'm not going to put you on the spot here, is, you know, but, but I'm hearing some of my fellows say, so where, where are you in the steps? And, and let's just assume, you know, you say, okay, I've completed the steps. Okay, so we, but, or maybe you're somewhere else in the steps. I know for me that do I still have resentments at times? Certainly, but they, they've, they've gotten better, so, oh, so much better. So when I do go through a formal four-step on resentments, it's a, it's a much shorter list. And I can deal with a lot of them in kind of a 10-step at this point. So they don't even, you know, need, they don't stay with me. God removes them. So what I would say is you're, you're not there from what I'm hearing right now. And, yes, resentment, as it says in the big book, is the number one offender. It destroys more alcoholics than anything else from its stem all forms of spiritual disease. For we have been not only mentally and physically ill, we have been spiritually sick. Here's a big statement that I'll just elaborate on briefly. When the spiritual malady is overcome, Julie, we straighten out mentally and physically. So, and, and I've seen that in my life too. When I complete this program of action, and then you know, in steps 10, 11, and 12, I, I'm in the maintenance and growth steps. I, I, I maintenance and grow what has been so graciously given to me by my higher power. Um, I know for me, when I, uh, when I work the steps early on, so I'm going to presume that you're not like this, but I just throw it out there for someone else. I didn't follow the instructions precisely. And in my false pride, I'm just speaking for, my, for me. I know this now. I would not have admitted this then. In my false pride, because I was so uncomfortable in my own skin and so frustrated and angry that I wasn't getting this, I wasn't getting the benefit. I wasn't getting the goods that were promised. What, what is it about me? That, what, 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 what's going on here? And that made me, and I was resentful of that, that, that at some point as the noose around my neck of this disease, Julie, tightened, I began to be confronted with the fact that maybe, maybe just maybe, I had not followed the instructions precisely. Maybe God had more work that he needed to, to do within me. Now, I had to do the work. I had to chop my wood, so to speak, right? He wasn't going to do the steps on my behalf, but maybe there was more that needed, more growth that needed to occur. I know that's the case for me. So that here's a specific example, Julie. So I'm in OA early on. My biggest resentment, number one, numero uno, was my mother. She didn't protect me as a child. I don't care if it's decades later. I don't care if she wasn't, that she loved me and so forth, but she didn't protect me from a stepfather. And while she divorced the stepfather by the time I was a sophomore in high school, you know, um, and, he, and, and she did the best she could, and she certainly wasn't the woman anymore that she was in her 20s and early 30s, the resentment for me was so overwhelmingly powerful that I could, and I would pray before I would call her, or like on a day like today, to go see, I would pray, just God, let me 
just be a love. I'm a decent human being. Help me to just be a better person. I just help me to be of service to her. Help me to. And then I would go there, and she, she, the, the, the dust would get kicked up, a look, uh, a word, I don't know, the air, uh, the presence. And next thing you know, I'm chewing someone up and spitting them out, or I'm taking my ball and going home. Okay, God had more work for me to do. But, but Julie, I had done the steps, damn it. Here's the script. I'm writing the script. I am, write, I am the writer of the script. You do the steps. You remove your own resentment by doing the work. And then everything should be fine, and it's not fine, and I'm pissed about it. God needed to, God needed to do more work. And I had to be patient and gritty and persevering and open to the idea that maybe I had more work to do. Now, that's probably not you, but that was me, baby. I'll tell you that. So I hope that helps, Julie. Yes, thank you very much. Sure. Thank you. Thank you, Julie H. Leslie W. Good morning. Good morning. This is Leslie W. Hi, Larry. Hey, Leslie W. How are you? Larry, um, Merry Christmas to you. So I had a quick question. Um, thank you so much for your generosity this morning um, and for your talk. I always enjoy it. Um, when you work through the steps with your sponsees, my question is, do you release your sponsees after a certain point um, and gently kick them out of the, the nest, or do you continue to work with them on a regular basis? <laughs> They're in servitude to me for the rest of their life. I know, that's the best. <laughs> oh, that's the best. That's the greatest question. No, thank you. Thank you for that question, Leslie. I, you know, I joke. I joke. Yeah, no, I, I become, I think what happens is I become utterly unnecessary. Now, I don't see unnecessary as a human being, like lacking compassion and that they can't call me or anything. No, no, but I mean, I mean, now, if I'm the higher power, let me tell you, 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 you better, you better, uh, you know, you, you, you better follow my deal here because I'm, I'm running the show. No, I'm, I'm nobody's higher power. Nobody ever had a spiritual awakening as the result of Larry Kay. That, that I can assure you. Um, so with your question, which is such a great question, um, yeah, no, the, the whole idea is to, it's kind of like me as a teacher. or No, let's, let, me as a therapist. Let's go with the therapist one. In therapy, so here's my analogy. Maybe you know where I'm going with this. In therapy... Let's just say there's a therapist with, uh, with a big ego and a, and, a, and a little bank account. They may, they may keep that person around, and they may build. May, it feels good to, to, to build up a crutch. To keep, you know, you give that, you know, after all, I gave you some tools, and I got you well, and I got you better, and, uh, you, know, what, you know, you're not going to leave me. Not, you're not ready. You're not ready for the big bad world. We can use a parent analogy with a child too, right? letting them fly, you know. The, the, the thing about it is the way I view sponsorship is not abandonment necessarily, right? I'm not abandoning. I might feel that way to someone, but I'm, I'm saying, who are you kidding? This was always between you and your higher power. I, I'm, ju- I'm just like you. I'm just the Sherpa here, right? And I had a Sherpa. You know what the Sherpa did? He had a big parka on. Not really, but I'm picturing a Sherpa. And he cracked open the big book. And he went through the big book, and he, and, and you know, um, and 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 then and then he said, you know what, just 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 test your God, trust trust your higher power, just 
follow these instructions precisely. Watch what happens. You're going to be brought into alignment with your higher power. You, you, I, know, I know you're feeling like you, you're connected to me. I know you're feeling that your abstinence is somehow connected to the call that you're going to make at, at 8.32 this morning to me, but it's not. I know you don't believe that, but you'll see. God's going to do for you what you couldn't do for yourself. So, yeah, I hope that, yeah, it's okay to, um, you know, that. in fact, it's okay that that's what we're asked to do, right? So I hope that helps, Leslie. You have a good voice, Leslie. <laughs> Thank you, Larry. You're welcome. Thank you, Leslie W. Simone G., your question. Hi, thank you so much. Unfortunately, my surroundings are not quiet at the moment, but um, I just wanted to say um, thank you very much. And um, I really like the analogy that you used that, um, you know, the process is to have our factory, well, I interpret it like our factory, re, you know, settings reset, like when like my phone goes on the blink or something. Um, I really like that. So thank you very much. Oh, my pleasure, Simone. My pleasure. Yeah, I heard that. For I, I steal everything. I get it from like Melanie and you know this one and that one. And I just it's the one place you can plagiarize and it's okay, <laughs> right? So um, anyway, what do you think, Mel? Indeed. How are we doing? Indeed. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. That would be our last question for today. And I'm grateful for that. Thank you, Simone, Simone, for taking us to the end here. And thank you again, Larry, for. Um, this really great expression of transformation and how My to pleasure. maintain it and enlarge it. Absolutely. Larry's contact information will be given at the conclusion of this meeting, so stick around for that, please. The share ID for today is Sunday. For Sunday, uh, December 24, 2017, is 10833. So I'm going to close as we always do here at A Vision for You Sunday Special Edition by reading page 164. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We will be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you shall... Surely, excuse me, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you.